Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblo Escapes in Discussion. Today, tonight, I've got the pleasure of being joined by um, Dartmoor-based photographer Nicholas White. Good evening, Nicholas. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yes, I'm not bad. And yourself? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this evening. Looking forward to discussing uh, your books, in particular, Black Dots, which um, I know is a very popular very popular book from another place press but before we get into that it'd be great just to get a bit of a background and insight into your photographic journey and, and what work you're doing at the moment sure man well thanks for having me um so yeah i uh my name's nicholas white i'm a photographer based on dartmoor um most of my work is landscape based um with a bit of portraiture and still life thrown in for good measure um but i also work as a as a commercial photographer as uh, alongside my personal yep. practice as well um, never wanted to be a photographer. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't my, this wasn't the plan. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my, my dream was to be a, um, a, a drummer in a thrash metal band. That was cool. my, that was, was my dream. dream. Yeah, that was it. And so, uh, you know, all through school from the age of 10, I took drum lessons and the you know, music's been in my family. Mum's a piano teacher. Um, my, my brother's a professional musician. So, yeah, you know, Music was a natural thing to kind of yes. to do. Um, so yeah, from the age of ten, I was playing drums and sort of dyed my hair black, had the lip piercing. Not not at, when I was ten. I did that when yeah. I was old. <laughs> eleven or twelve. <laughs> um, and yeah, and sort of photography really wasn't a thing for me until maybe I was sixteen, seventeen, and it it was a hobby. I think that's how yeah. most people start. You know, um, it was something cool to do at the weekends when I went out walking. Yep. Um, the outdoors has always been a big part of my life. I think that comes across in the work. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of my, well, all of my holidays as a kid were spent on Dartmoor uh, walking and hiking and, you know, a couple of trips to the Lake District with family. Um, but yeah, the outdoors, the British outdoors especially was, that was a huge part of my upbringing. And so taking pictures on the family camera or borrowing friends' digital cameras yep. and stuff like that, that's really how it started um cool. but even then when i was doing that i never considered it as something i wanted to pursue seriously music was my love yeah um and then there was a couple of things that happened and i'm not really sure at the turning point when i decided to you know to to turn my focus to photography but um i think my, my brother was three years older than me and he he went to university to study music okay and that was always my plan uh and then within about six months it sort of sucked the life out of him and he dropped out um, and and so I sort of saw that and saw his response to kind of all he wanted to do was play jazz that's all he wanted to do and as soon as he went into university and you know was being told he had to write about this person and study this person and whatever he was yeah. like oh, I yeah. just want to play you know and so he quit and at my age then you know, I looked up to my brother a lot and I was like, oh I don't want I don't want that to ruin my music I just want to drum like yeah. I don't yeah. want to take it seriously I just want to you know play disgusting metal songs in a in a barn <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> um and so I, I, I panicked a little bit but also at the age of 18 I had um I had major surgery on both my knees right um and that um you know I won't go into details but my legs yeah. didn't work proper that's <laughs> pretty much you know long and the short of it yeah um so I had big surgery on both my knees and I was I was you know basically couldn't walk properly for for the whole summer that year um and so really that was the point where I couldn't drum I couldn't go outside. And so I spent the whole summer teaching myself Photoshop because I'd, I'd done a lot of 
photography like I say like out on walks and stuff like that and yeah so I downloaded Photoshop and just started playing around with it and you know, taught myself and I was like oh actually this is this is really cool like yeah photos on the back of the camera looked awful <laughs> but now they look now they look great now that I've dragged <laughs> them through Photoshop it's fantastic yeah. um and so yeah so that those kind of things combined and I sort of realized maybe uh, you know, I want my music just to be something for fun. And the only other thing I had in my life then was, you know, was photography. Yeah. Um, ironically, I have since sold all my drum stuff to you? fund my photography. So, yeah, oh, dear. <laughs> it's all gone. Um, but yeah, so I, I went, I, I'd studied my A-levels at music and I was all ready to go uni, but I went back two years to right. do a B-tech in photography. Um, so you basically did A-levels again, essentially, in photography, and then went on to university at Plymouth College of Art yep. um, and studied photography for three years. And then, yeah, sort of um, upon graduating, uh, and my graduate project was the um, uh, militarization of Dartmoor, yeah. which I released as a zine with another place press recently. Yep. So that was the project I shot throughout my final year. And surprise, surprise, when I graduated, I realized that the world didn't care about military buildings on Dartmoor as much as I did. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't I didn't become a millionaire instantly and I was shocked and appalled. Yeah. Um, and so I, I pulled pints. I pulled pints for a year at a local pub, um, actually having to serve hikers who'd come in off the moor. So that yep. enraged me for about 12 months. <laughs> uh, and then and then yeah, my my friend messaged me and said, Oh, there's a um, you know, there's a a retouching job um, down in Cornwall for a, a clothing company, cool. um, you know, freelance, do you want to do it? And so I applied and I managed to get, that was sort of a the first step towards getting into the industry really. Yes. So I, I yep. left, you know, I left the, uh, the bar job and spent about eight months cutting out women's underwear from different colored backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my job. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, then, that progressed onto another retouching job this time for a uh, for a sports company here in Devon. Yeah, cool. Um, and I was cutting out. Well, you say cool, it wasn't because I don't like sport that much. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't wear women's underwear either, so neither no. were really relevant. Yes. Um, you know, so I was cutting out um, football boots. That was my job. Um, yeah. And then this this company, this sort of um, retailer that I was working for. Um, they, they had an in-house agency, so they had retouchers, they had e-commerce photographers, and they also had um, creative photographers as well. Yeah, cool. And they shot their own in-house campaigns and things like that. And so I started off retouching, then progressed onto the e-commerce side of things. I photograph photographing football boots this time, but not Ooh, cutting. Step up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was photographing them on white backgrounds. Yep. Um, but that was really good for me because at university, I'd, I'd thrown myself into the personal work you know yeah. like I turned my back on digital I thought film was the you know this magical thing and yeah uh, I didn't step foot in a studio I didn't want to do commercial photography I just wanted to shoot my, my own projects and things um but the opportunity came up to if it was the pay rise that really enticed me you know to go from retouching to e-commerce photography I was like this is, you know this is good yeah. um but it gave me the opportunity to learn how studio lighting works in a really basic way yeah you know? Sort of e-commerce stuff that we were shooting was one light one softbox one colored background so really really stripped back yeah and so i was able to kind of figure out how all that worked on the job pretty much yeah good. Um, and then eventually a position came up in their team of i think it was like a team of six for their creative team um and i actually lied my way into the job i told them i knew how to use 
pro photo lighting equipment um and they set me up with a trial day and so for like the next week i researched how pro photo lights work on youtube <laughs> i was like i've never seen one of these things before in my life <laughs> and um so i went in confidently and managed to sort of bodge this thing together with like a couple of lights and a couple of probably the wrong equipment but i got the job um and yeah no, i worked i worked that job for for the whole duration of black dots actually i was working full-time in this studio yeah um and that was pretty much what what funded that initial project yeah um you know sort of having to work and then i had like 30 20 to 30 days allocated holiday every year um and you use them to travel i'd use it to do the work um i even yeah blag faked a few sick days um you know because you know three that's three extra days (laughs) Absolutely, and it's a long way from where you are in the south coast up to oh, uh, up to some yeah. of the remote places that you were you were photographing. Exactly. I mean, um, you know, this was a few years ago, but I, I would be I was I was doing um, sort of Devon to the Cairngorm, so up to Aviemore. Yeah, uh, eleven hours. I was doing that in a one-er, um, and that, which was, but I had to make the most of. I had I'd book five days off, like Monday to Friday, so I'd have the two weekends either side. Yes. Yeah. And I'd get up early and I'd just go straight up to the Cairngorms in a day. Yeah. And then the next day, I'd, you know, next morning I'd be out hiking with the five four, working on the, yeah, working on, on the project. Yeah. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a, a punishing three years. Um, I can, but, yeah, I can imagine f- full on for making use of, as you say, every minute that you've got because yeah. you've really got to maximise the time that you've, the opportunity that you've got to be out there capturing yeah, the work and making exactly. the work. Exactly. It was that, that classic thing of. Um, um, you know, I needed time and I needed money. And those two things don't ever happen simultaneously, really. Yeah. Um, so I had the job, which was good because not only was it providing me with enough cash to fund my work, but it was also teaching me another skill that maybe I could use and help to sustain my career in the future. You know, Absolutely. Which, you know, how I've now managed to, I, you know, I work as a mainly in sports advertising as a freelance photographer. Yeah. Using all the skills that I picked up doing those three years. Yeah. Um, so now I'm able to have a lot more time you know, to shoot personal work. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, talking about your book, Black Dots, which was out a number of years ago, I think, through mm-hmm. Another Place Press. Um, I'm fortunate to own a copy. I do get asked fairly regularly where, uh, where can I possibly buy a copy or um, is there another edition coming out? I'm sure, I think I said, made somewhere that maybe there is a second edition coming out. Yeah, there's, there's a, again, you know, it's ultimately the, the decision lies with Ian. Yeah. Another Place Press, but... Um, there is a, a strong possibility of a second edition Very coming um, in the next few months. Excellent. So in, in terms of, I, I know quite a few Bothies being Scottish and enjoying walking in the hills. So where really does your inspiration came or where did the inspiration come for, for mm. documenting a project about Bothies, bearing in mind that you're based in the okay. south coast of, uh, south coast of uh, England? Sure. So... Initially, I, I wish I could say that I had this huge creative moment and it was, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, my, my first love of photography was, you know, guys like Joe Cornish, Charlie Waite. Yeah. You know, these sort of kings of sort of, you know, very beautiful landscape photography. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, and even though now I guess, you know, my work maybe is a little bit more contemporary on that side of things. I've always kept a foot in that camp and I, I'm, you know, I, I love the guys over on landscape, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky I sit on the steering group for on landscape and it's, so I've always been sort of 
interested in that side of photography as well as the more kind of you know arty side of photography as well I don't yeah know what you call it. yeah um but with that in mind I, i'd never been to scotland and from everything you, know, you look for a joe cornish book you know or whatever and you're like you should probably go to scotland yeah <laughs> you know? um like every landscape photographer makes a pilgrimage there at some point um and so yeah it was final year of university and i was like i'd love to go to scotland but um at that point i didn't drive and i didn't i was a you know final year student i had no money yes <laughs> so i started researching you know ways that i could go and explore the highlands and be in the mountains but spend very little money yep and i found out about bothies yeah you know? And I thought I'd stumbled across this like really rare thing. And I was like, I phoned up my mate and I was like, right, mate, there's this thing called Bothy. Right? <laughs> and Andy, my friend Andy, who came with me on a lot of the trips was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, why has no one told me about these things? Um, so initially it was, that's all it was. It was like, I'm just going to go hiking and take landscapes and I'm going to stay in these Bothies and that's going to, you know, how I'm yeah. going to afford to do it. But then the more I started researching bothies and the network and the fact that they're unlocked and they're free to use and they attract these sort of you know groups of strangers come down from the hills every night and they share this kind of very basic you know, no fucking they're just fire um yeah. shelter and conversation you know no electricity so, nothing you know yeah i found that really really appealing yeah um, and so slowly i started coming around to the idea of actually maybe the bothies are the thing that i should be photographing here uh, rather than just using them as you know, a base to go and shoot the landscape yeah then the, the landscape is kind of the stage but the bothies are like front and center yeah um and so that's really where where it came from um and initially it wasn't going to be any portraits i've never shot portraits before yeah um but the more i started researching it and reading about what what bothies were what they represented and that the people became a vital part of that story yeah uh, yeah, I, I was just about to say, I think the, the whole storytelling aspect of it with bringing in the characters who use the Bothies, I think really adds it adds a different aspect and a different element to to the narrative that you're telling. Whereas I think if you'd left the people out and just had the Bothies, it would have still been a wonderful body of work, but I think it just creates something, it creates an entirely different dimension. And I think Absolutely. you look through yeah. and it, you, you can imagine you can imagine the, the amazing backgrounds and stories of some of the fantastic characters that you photographed, yeah. which must be, I'm sure you've got so many tales to tell, but ob yeah. obviously you started out as a landscape, but I, I'm, I'm assuming that you quickly realized that actually there's a real story to be told here by the people who use them and, and how they use them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was, it was more, you know, I was experiencing bothying and bothies for the first time. Um, and I wanted it to be the, the work to sort of be viewed by people in the same way, people who hadn't heard of Bothing, they're experiencing it with me and you meet yes. these people along the way, um, you know, and you get to see inside the Bothies and, you know, you get to explore the interiors a little bit. Uh, it was it was important that there was a seasonal flow to the work. Yep. Yes. So it was shot over three years and all four seasons. Um, and again, it although Scotland is this kind of mecca of Bothying, yeah. I did include the Welsh and the English Bothies too, uh, yep. to sort of, yeah, and also as tempting as it was just to go to these massive, impressive mountainous landscapes, it was important to you know, have these quiet ones on the beach, these yeah. ones in forests and nestled away in woodlands and in you know in meadows and things like that, to sort of really give people a cross section really of what 
the Bothying experience is like and that these places they still exist places to kind of disappear to yeah. you know yeah and also I think it's important that the Bothies they're not just for the big high mountains they are as you see in, yeah. in, in just very remote places and, and that's a lot of their purpose as well it's not just for people who are coming down off some big yeah. huge mongoose 20 mile hike up as many mongoose as they can yeah. possibly do there, there is more and there is a different aspect and a different element to them as well sure and yeah it wasn't i didn't just want to shoot like a load of really psyched ice climbers you yes. know it was as a couple of climbers in there you've got um sort of people who have traveled out on their own both young and old yeah um, you know there's you know people from all different walks of life and stories that they have um you know and if i carried on i could carry on shooting that work for another three or four years and you know it would just keep on going and it would be held together by these people yeah and in terms of your approach to did i'm assuming you must you, you've obviously done a lot of research into the bothies but did you were you very selective over which bothies you wanted to go and photograph? Obviously, you've got a story and a narrative, and you've got to make sure you get the balance right sure. between the locational aspects. So, um, I take it you took quite strategic approach to which ones. Yeah, so I'm I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to like logistics, <laughs> um, and I, I think I think we all have a certain aspect of nerdness inside us when, oh, when it comes absolutely. to those things. Yeah, and I I love a good map. I was a way to say that you can't beat a, you can't beat a oh. good quality a good quality map and in fact oh. several maps is, there's just something oh. really nice about I've, I've got a map cupboard right <laughs> and half of the maps in there are of places that I've never been to and they're from like 1960 so I'm, I'm just completely useless <laughs> yes yep but you know sometimes on a cold lonely night I like to flick through some maps what's wrong with yeah. that <laughs> indeed that's it each to their own <laughs> exactly um but no so I I focused mainly on the, the Bothies that were, well, entirely on the Bothies that were maintained by the Mountain Bothy Association. Cool, yeah. Because the, the work kind of coincided, accidentally coincided with their 50th anniversary. Right, yeah. Um, and so that kind of narrowed it down and, and sort of helped me in a way to, uh, to not annoy the sort of um, old school outdoor folk who like to keep the secrets, you yeah. know, hidden Bothies and things like that and the houses and whatnot. So I focused on the ones that were, already up on the MBA website and were, you know, the grid references were there, you know, so I didn't expose any sort of secrets about the Bothying world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I bought maps for the whole of the Highlands, um, Northern England and Wales. And I put little red stickers on every location where there's a Bothy. Okay. I would then plan, I actually planned, I figured out the hiking routes in and out of every single one. Because what I needed to do, is, as you said, figuring out a narrative and what works for the project was crucial, but also figuring out what I could fit in yeah. to these very limited trips that I was able to make. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, going, okay, well, I could, I could do this one and then I could sleep in my car in this lay-by and then I could, might be able to hike out to Cheneval for two nights. And then, so yeah. it was a little bit of that going on. Yeah. So once I had once I'd figured out all those route plans and all that kind of stuff, I could then start you know, and obviously looking at Google and looking at people's images on Instagram of going, you know, okay, that one doesn't look too interesting or that looks quite similar to that one. Yes. Yeah. You know, because people have been to the, it's not as if I've discovered these things that they're very well documented as, you know, in yeah. the outdoor community, especially. So there's a wealth of imagery out there, you know, so I was able to be quite, you know, before I'd even left Devon, I could almost visualize the ones I was going to go to and even looking at the maps, figuring out where I might be able to shoot from. Yes. Yep. 
you know, figuring out sunrise, sunset. That's that's what I'll do in the morning. That's what I'll do in the evening. If it's raining, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Um, so that was how I kind of approached the landscapes. The portraits was completely just random because you can never, you know, you can't plan. No. Who you're meet. Um, most of, you know, some people I met didn't want to be photographed, which is absolutely, absolutely. yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be photographed um, yeah. when I, you know, haggard after a, mount, you know, a mountain day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to have this beautiful moment in the Bothy and there's some fine art photographer going, oh, can I take a portrait? Kind <laughs> <laughs> of ruins the vibe a little bit for you. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that part of it was, was very much, if I meet someone, I meet someone. If I don't, I don't. And I'm not going to get bummed out by it if I don't. So I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to plan ahead as oh, I want to shoot a portrait like this because you're setting yourself up for disappointment then. It was yeah. much nicer to open the Bothy door and have a wonderful surprise when you meet, you know, a guy in an Aaron jumper wearing odd wellies, for example. Yeah. Well, that, like, that, that's it. There, there is the, is the, is the anticipation of what you're going to, of what yeah. you're going to see. And that's what, that's what really tells the stories. If you, if you, if you go with some preconception of who you're going to meet, mm. you're naturally just going to be disappointed. Whereas if you go with no, no anticipation of meeting anyone and, you're, you're inevitably will be delighted by whoever, whoever you come across and, and their story and their their tales yeah, for sure and, and there's that's the nature of you know away from photography that is what bothying's about as well yeah. you you don't know if there's even going to be any room for you there yeah you know and so you turn up and there's people there and as is the way they make space for you and you share your whiskey and you have chat um and I would very rarely make photos in the evening. I'd, I'd get to know, and it's very, you get to know people very, very quickly. Absolutely, because, yeah. No, like I've said before to people, no matter, they could drive a car that's worth so much more than yours. They can live in a much bigger house. They can have a much better job. But right there and then, you've got so much in common. Absolutely, yeah. You know? And so you walk in and you know that person loves the outdoors instantly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's your starting point. Yeah. yeah, every everyone's in a level level playing field as yeah. soon as you, as soon as you walk in, it's like yeah, uh, and all the luxuries are stripped away, and you're you know you're taking it in turns to keep the fire going, and you're sharing your food, and if it's cold that night, you're all going to be cold. Yes, you know? yeah, if yeah. It's been raining, you're all wet. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's that camaraderie which I quite liked, and then in the morning, you know, you you've been sleeping in quite close proximity to these people, um, and then that was that would be when I would go, oh, you know. I'm doing this thing, you know, before yep. you leave, would you mind if I made a portrait? And, you know, a lot of the time they said yes. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think it really shows. I, I, I really like the portraits in them. Right. I think some of them are wonderful. And I also really like the, just the interior shots as well mm. of some of the bothies. And it just, it reminds you of when you poke your head in the door of just what yeah. you happen to see that's been left over from the night before, not in terms yeah. of rubbish, but just the, the, the little bottle with a wee bit of whiskey left over or something like yeah, that for the, the for the next pulling down the side and that's it yeah and it's yeah. it's just it's a lovely it's a lovely environment and a, and a lovely way of life that uh, that, that, is. These, that people it's, sorry it's, it's that sort of the things that people leave behind it it tells you you know that was a way of almost i couldn't photograph everyone i met you know everyone that uses the bothy i couldn't photograph everyone i met yeah. Um, but by photographing these interiors and these traces of people, you get an understanding of, you know, it tells you a little bit about the people that have been there without even seeing them. 
yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think I think that really comes across. And were there any bothies that you visited that uh, um, were uh, were pretty treacherous journeys or in terrible weather conditions that <laughs> you think I have come all this way and yeah, I'm I'm not really sure why I'm, what I'm doing here. No, mate. Pretty much every every single <laughs> you know, as you all know, you and I mean in. In summer, you've got the midge. Yeah. In winter, you've got the cold. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and in between, you've got rain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I think the one, there's two that stand out as being particularly nasty. Um, one, I've actually got a print of it behind me on my wall, but one is um, the Karurabothi at the Devil's Point in the Cairngorms. Yeah. You know, the Cairngorms in winter, um, you know, I, I've never been that cold in the UK before. <laughs> I didn't, you know, in my sort of my my lack of knowledge of Scottish weather and landscape at the time, you kind of go up and go, Christ, it's freezing up here. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, it's you know, it's, they call it Britain's Arctic. I was like, right, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I'll make a note of that next time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Karurabothi, that the, the I'd visited it once before in spring, and. I, I couldn't figure out a shot because from a distance, the ground around Karabothi is a lot of heather and, and mud. And yeah, you kind of, the Bothy kind of got a bit lost and you got the black rock of the Devil's Point behind yes. it. And other than taking it from the angle that I've seen a lot of images taken from of that Bothy. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really figure out anything else that worked. And so I, I, I knew that that was going to be a winter photo. Yes. Yeah, the Bothy um, stand out. Yeah, exactly, and I, I, that the kind of the scale of that yeah. of that mountain behind. So we went back uh, in winter, and we, I was hiking in, and there was not a single flake of snow on the ground. Um, I stayed one night at Karua, opened the door the next morning, not there was not a single flake again. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go scout. And so I scouted out this location on the opposite side of the pass, and I was like. This could really, really work. Like it's a tiny building, big mountain. It's a very simple shot, yeah. But it gets that scale. But all, all I wanted was some snow. And then the next morning, I, I go out of the bothy and the, the door won't open. And you've had one of your classic bonus snowy nights up in the Cairngorms. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was like sixty mile an hour gusts. Yeah. Uh, and it was you know coming down. Is it the Larry Groove? Apologise for my yes. Yeah. Down the mountain pass, and it was. Yeah, 60 mile an hour winds. I'm, I'm shooting on large format. You know, it's like... I, ideal, con- ideal conditions for you. Oh, spot on. That's what it was designed for. Um, and luckily, the shot I scouted was next to this giant boulder, which actually sheltered me from, from the wind. Yeah. Um, and I had my friend Andy, who was, who was making... The guy who knew about boffies all along, but never told me about them. Yeah. Um, he joined me to shoot some sort of behind-the-scenes stuff for a blog yes. I was writing. Yeah. Um, and there's this shot of me trying to take that photo uh, and trying to protect my um, my five four with a bin bag, um, and it's just blowing around the thing, and I'm like holding the thing down. So I, t- I think I actually shot because there's so much camera shake. I think I shot half a box of film on that <laughs> on that one shot because I knew I couldn't get back there to do it again. Yeah, yeah. it was it was uh, all it was all or nothing, pretty much. And there's a couple that are a little. If you zoom in, they're a little bit soft, but this one this one came out. So I think that one. That one stands out to me. And the other one was on Rassi. Is that, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and that was just the wettest I've ever been. 
So because you you get the ferry off from Sky, yeah. get to Rassi, and then you drive to the end of the road, and then the rest is on foot to the Bothy on the northern tip. And it was just you know it's like being in the shower. <laughs> yeah, and you get and you know all I'm thinking about in my head is I've got about twenty sheets of portrait in my bag. You know, it's like a hundred quid's worth of film or something in my bag. Like this is going to be soaking by the time I get there. Yeah, everything was fine, and we. All the kit was laid out in front of the fire, um, but yeah. So th- those two, those two are the ones that stand out as being uh, the sort of moments where I'm like, "Why the hell am I here?" Yeah, but about yeah, about the thing is, you remember them, and those are the points that you yeah. you'll, you'll forever remember the experiences of 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 standing there that most people have never experienced trying to hold up a five four camera, um, large format yeah. camera, medium format camera, and and shooting in sixty mile hour winds. It's yeah, exactly. It was, it was, you know, it was uh, definitely an experience. And but it was one of those moments where you're like, why am I shooting this on this camera? Like, why have I chosen this? It's, it's, you know, 2018 or 2017 or whatever. Like, I've got a very nice DSLR at home. <laughs> why, why am I doing this? But then you, you get home, you scan the negs and, and you see it and you're like, okay, that's, yeah, why, yeah. that's why I did it. You know, yeah. I think it's worth it. Well, that's it, absolutely. And were there, there within the book, are there maybe three or four images or of either bothies or the detail shots or of people that really had nice special stories behind them other than uh, your, the picture behind you, which uh, obviously has very special memories? Oh, I love it, yeah. Hence why it's up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If, if Dartmoor doesn't get cold enough, I just I remind myself of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How cold it can possibly get. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I can't grumble. Um I mean, you have to understand that every single photo that I've taken pretty much was you're seeing the area at the moment I experienced it as well. So I've got yes. fond memories of all, like these are all new yeah. places to me. Yes. And then you have that added elation of finding a bothy when you've been hiking all day with weight on your back. And it's that kind of, oh, <laughs> my goodness. You know? yeah. we, we've, yeah. we've found it. We've finally got there and you, yeah, can, exactly. you can rest and relax for a, for a yeah. short while before getting back out with the camera. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But I think there's one portrait in there of um it, he's called john and he was photographed at strabeg bothy uh and he's he sat at a, a window seat doing i think he's doing the cross the crossword he's reading a newspaper yeah and i've told the story a few times but um i i that's yeah that's the guy yeah, yeah. um he 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 was the highlight of the whole project for me because he just summed up just how interesting a night in a bothy could be. Right. You know? Um, so I, 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 this was the last bothy that I was visiting on this trip. Yeah. It's not too, it's not a long, it's not a, you know, a long trek in. It's quite straightforward. But as I came up to it, I could see there was smoke coming from the chimney and I knew someone was in there. So I opened the door and there's John sat in front of the fire. And I just remember, I remember walking in and he turns around and it's just me on my own and him. And he just looks at me. And he looks me up and down and just goes, well, 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 you know, and he pulled, he dragged this seat up and he said, take a seat. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is going to be a, yeah, this is going to be one, a, a sort of evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's going to do one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so I sat next to him and we started chatting and, you know, we were taking it in turns to store up some firewood and, you know, just catching up and everything. And he 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 bagged all the Munros, I think, twice. As you do uh, during his life, 
and now um you know he said he's getting older he 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 likes to just come out to a bothy for a couple of nights and then walk back to the car um just to have that experience of being out in the mountains That's amazing. Something he said about you know, he likes to look at the mountains rather than be on them now you know yeah wonderful um, really nice and i thought oh this this is you know there's some really nice you know, i have to photograph this guy and then he drags his um his backpack over uh, and he's actually wearing it in that photo and he opened it up and bearing in mind this this man was was here on his own he pulled out of his bag this the, the, the most obscene amount of cheese that i've seen <laughs> one man carry <laughs> and he 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 had this huge blocks of cheddar he had like trays of dried meats he had like Evian bottles of two different types of whiskey. And he was just like, I can't possibly have all this to myself. And, from, you know, what I now realize is that he wasn't intending to have it to himself. He was hoping to meet someone there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and share an experience with someone. That was it. And, and so we, um, we had a, we had a good go at the, uh, at the, 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 the platter. <laughs> the, the dinner out. party. The dinner party. And it was just, you know, it was a clear night. You could see every single star in the sky and there i am with this guy i've only met a few hours previously and we're just having a whale of a time you know and then in, in the morning i um i make this this portrait of him and we stayed in touch for a little bit afterwards um back when i used to use facebook more often yeah. um but yeah just for me that kind of sums up how how friendly that that culture is you know this is a guy who's been doing it his entire life and i was quite young and walked in and you know, he just, he, he had all this stuff ready to share with someone. Yeah. That, and, that's that's, and, and, and it probably is, is the sort of thing that probably made his, made his trip being able yeah. to share with someone. That's the thing. Sure. It's like, as yeah. you see, it's, it's not about being up in the hills. It's about being out in the outdoors yeah. and enjoying, enjoying the hills and enjoying the views, but enjoying the, the, the stories that he can share with, with, uh, Monroe baggers and un yeah. un Monroe baggers like yourself as well. So for sure, exactly, and yeah, it, it was um yeah, it was really special. I think for me as well, it was a uh, you know I walked back to the car the next morning and I was driving back to Devon that that day. Yeah, I just had a massive grin on my face. I was like, yeah. you know, and it that that kind of interaction with a stranger is something that's missing from most of our lives. I think anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think that those are the sorts of those shots really add something to to black dots and to the mm. body of work as well. That just they, they really make it a they make it a very personal and relatable experience when you include the images of of everyone who uses the bothies as a, as opposed yeah. to just as opposed to just the pictures of the bothies themselves. It it really yeah. makes it far more relatable to people when you can begin to imagine the the wonderful stories and backgrounds that all these uh, extremely interesting characters. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there were some sad stories too. There's a guy yeah. in there called Dave or David who I met at Kieve Bothy up in Cape Wrath. Um, and he, you know, from what I gathered from a conversation was just a very, very lonely guy. Yeah. Um, and I think he was having some trouble. I think he said you know, his sister was ill or something. Um, it was, he had some trouble going on at home. And he, he'd walked across Cape Wrath on his own. And he was, you know, probably in his late 60s. Yeah. And he was just, and, you know, if you, anyone's been to, to Kiervay, Bothy up in Cape Wrath, it's a, it's a lonely place anyway. <clears throat> you know, yeah. right up the top there. Um, and, you know, he, he was totally alone and he was perfectly happy being there, but he, he, was, he was more there just to sort of escape for a while. 
Right. Yeah. And so the sh- the, I made a portrait of him in the morning. Uh, but and he, I, I did ask his permission if I could take a photo. And he said, oh, yeah, just let me know when you're ready. I'm just going to finish my coffee. Yeah. Um, but I actually made it whilst he was having his coffee. Yeah. Uh, so I put like a I think it was a 210 mil, quite a bit of a longer lens on. And I was stood outside and I just have him gazing out of the window. So that was completely sort of, you know, candid shot of him. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, kind of people like that that you meet and it's kind of, oh, like Bothian can offer people so much more absolutely. than just a yeah. cool yeah. night out in the mountains. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So obviously it was one that uh, you produced with Another Place Press. Now, yes. did you have did you have a book in mind when you started the project or was it a project that you wanted to do for yourself and then the book as an output followed on thereafter? Yeah, very much the latter. Um, I... I hadn't, I didn't really own many photo books when I started Black Dots. I wasn't really into, what was I into? I wasn't aware that it was such a big thing yep. in yep. the photo book world. Um, you know, I, I don't know why. I, I just wasn't really into buying books back then. Yep. You know? yeah. uh, so I was shooting this work and then, you know, whilst Black Dots was being shot, I was, I was starting to buy more and more and, you know, get into this as a world. But I, I never really considered my work becoming one yes uh, but i can't remember like how it happened um but I, I believe it was ian that reached out to me okay yeah um and we were we met we we're probably following each other anyway and we, we, i did like a feature on another place magazine yes yeah initially uh and then yeah then then the conversation started and ian was great because it was i was very sort of quite green and you know excitable and oh we should do like ten thousand copies man that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) he's like let's let's do 400 and we'll see how it goes um but yeah so it was i i'm you know very proud to say that that part of it was very much a collaboration yeah and how how did it work from your from your your perspective did you send a completed body of work in an order that you thought or did you leave the sequence into Ian in the first instance, or did you have a kind of a, an idea and then Ian worked around it? I, I, um, I, the problem I was having with it is because I was shooting on, on large format, yep. I wasn't shooting many pictures. I don't shoot yep. a lot. Yeah. Um, apart from that time when I blasted half a box. On. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I didn't have a lot to sort of, I didn't shoot thousands, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, as because the trips were so you know broken up into seasonal trips, by the time I was going on the spring trip, I'd already scanned and edited and cleaned up the winter necks. Yes. Yep. And they they were printed out as ten eights, and they were on my 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 wall above yep. the decks, which was great. But the downside of that is I basically spent so much time staring at this slowly evolving body of work. Yep. The, the the sequence that I just happened to pin it up in, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah, because you'd seen it for such a for such a prolonged period of time. Yeah, exactly. So anything else like seemed wrong. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether other photographers struggle with that as well. Uh, I know some photographers who print them all off as six by fours and just drop them on the floor and pick yeah. them up in whatever order they fall. Yes. But for me, I, I spent so long looking at it. I I I. I sent it off to Ian and sort of this is what it exists as currently. Yeah. But he's a publisher. He knows this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to be like, you know, too Very proud. Sure. about yeah. it. Exactly. So 
he he gave it he you know passed it back to me and his ideas and we, there was a bit of back and forth but you know I was very happy to take his advice and listen to what he was saying about it absolutely yeah because um, you know you yeah, I, I I can shoot and I like to think I can shoot my work but when it came to that I was completely new to it yeah you know I'd never really thought about how it would work you know it works well on a website when you're flicking next next but how does it function in a book how does it function in an exhibition you know completely different ways of interacting with it um and yeah so it was very much a sort of lots of phone calls and I think we were messaging through Twitter oddly I think that's how it the conversations were happening right yeah. um but yeah and then Ian was sending me stuff and then we initially got the you know the initial proofs sent through and that was an exciting day when the big tube arrived at my door and I can imagine yeah yeah, and you seeing be, you, it, yeah, it begins, it begins to feel real at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you, you know, it, you had all the sort of um, the crop marks on it, and it just felt legit. It felt like okay, <laughs> you know, it had the, you know, the sort of the color profiling squares yes. on the side. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this looks cool. Like this is a book. Um, <laughs> I was just really like super excited by it. Like you know, I I don't come from a a sort of a background where I would expect myself to have bought a book out. <laughs> you yeah. know. So, but, but it must it must be such an experience as well when you've spent three years building up the work, and as you say, because it, it was very much restricted to holidays, it's been a it's not as though it's been a, a hugely quick build up. It's been a, a slow but steady build up. So yeah. to actually to, to actually see it all come together in one, it must be you know think yeah this is this is really nice, and it kind of sums up the whole the whole experience for you as well of, of yeah exactly of what, of what you've of what you've worked towards. Sure, and it's yeah going up to your mum and dad and showing them this big postal tube and going, this is what I spent all my money on. For the last <laughs> this is why I'm still living at home. <laughs> you know? And they're like, Oh, great. It was worth it. Um, but yeah, that was a great moment. And then, you know, um, you know, people, I think that the work resonated with people and I was quite fortunate that, you know, it went to a few places and then it, it enabled me really as a kind of a springboard to, to leave my day job and, and sort of throw myself hundreds of being a photographer really. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, it definitely functioned as a sort of catapult. Um, yeah. It's not just within my career, but also for my confidence, you know, sort of. Absolutely, okay? yeah. Like, people like what, I'm, what I've done, and I like what I've done, and, you know, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, well, yeah. it gives you, as you say, it gives you a, cap, a catapult and a stepping stone into how you, in terms of work that you might do in the future. I know you'd, you were spending a lot of time out in Romania as well, working yeah. on on some really nice work over there as well, which I remember following um, after seeing you at the online or what seeing you here, hearing you speak at the online state conference. Oh, which, right. oh cool. Thanks man. Which, um, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And I, I like the zine as well. You did with, uh, with Ian as well, which I think it's a really nice format. It works, it works very well. And it's, it's it, it brings a affordable photography out to to more people as opposed to having to be huge big all guns uh, yeah. all guns blazing fancy books yeah i mean like i say you know i grow growing up you know going to galleries and museums and, and spending 75 quid on a book of pictures is essentially what it is that's not you know yeah. was um wasn't something you'd even consider you know like 75 quid that's a lot of money yeah you spend on a, on a book but um and now I'm, I'm in, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I work as a photographer and I, you know, I appreciate now just how beautiful they are as objects. Yes. Yeah, every now and then I am willing to fork out. <laughs> yeah. But on most, you know, especially with something like Black Dots where, 
uh, you know, it was there was elements of my of my interest in you know in lands and you know, traditional landscape photography, and there are elements of it that can, you can tell that I've I've looked at the likes of Alex Soth and people like that. Yeah. Um, and but I, I didn't want to make this work about you know everyday people disappearing into the mountains and then put it out at a price point where those sorts of people wouldn't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that just seems like a bit of a a, a daft move. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That that's so it, yeah. Another place press that it seems the obvious choice both for that and the zine. Um, because it it puts contemporary landscape photography in the hands of people that perhaps wouldn't have usually bought that that you know, something yeah. that costs X amount, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the format Ian's working with at the moment with the field notes. I I, I think it works really really well. I, I like the I like yeah. the style and the format, and he cur- he curates a wonderful selection and variety of subject matter themes yeah, and, sure. and and work. And I kind of take it's, that it's nice because there's a lot of you know, I think you might have a project that you've shot, but that you're proud of, but not every project you shoot can be or has to be a book absolutely you know like sometimes it can just exist on your website sometimes you want to print it but it doesn't really lend itself to a book and that's where sort of the field notes series kind of really and we talked about cafe royal books as well like yeah that sort of stuff that um you know it fills that gap of bodies of work that you know deserve to be printed but perhaps you know didn't need to be a book which yeah. the militarization of Dartmoor definitely was that like it, it, it didn't have to be a book, but a, a nice affordable zine. This is it, exactly it, what it needs yeah. to be. Yeah. It works really well. And it, it present it presents a work. I'm sure in the way that, that you envisaged that being, yeah. it being, it being presented into, to others. And um, yeah, yeah cool. I think, I think the, the stuff that Ian does is, is really first rate. The only thing yeah. is he brings out so many of them. Uh, oh, so I was going to comment on that. He's just relentless with it. He only released yeah. it too long ago. <laughs> yeah, I know that. So it's like every time you turn on Twitter, there's another three that are being published, and it's. But imagine him in his office hitting Command P, just print, print, print. I know that. So yeah, it's, uh, three, 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 three. But but it's it's great. There's I've picked up quite a few myself, and um, yeah. it's great to see just a variety of of subjects that he does cover. Um, yeah, for sure, and the way he runs it as a. As yeah. a business, and it's it's very you know it works for the photographers. Absolutely, you know. that's it. It's not you're not talking huge, big, uh, hardback, fancy flash books that yeah. very high price point or huge big runs that you need to accomplish. I think it's something that many sure. photographers, if they've got a good strong body of work that yeah. will appeal to a, a good percentage of people, then I think there's always interest in there. And I think yeah, yeah a lot of the documentary stuff. It's not something I necessarily shoot myself, but I, I, I can really appeal. Sure. Really appeals to me, um, particularly when I feel as though there's maybe a connection with the, the work. Um, obviously, I know a lot of the in terms of black dots. I know a lot of the bothies that are featured. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, have you have you been back to many bothies since you uh, since you finished black dots? I honestly, I haven't. You know, like I've I've gone back to Warren Scale up in the Lake District yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, uh, because I'm working on this very slow burning body of work um, on one of the slate mines. Up okay, there. yeah, um, and that just happens to be you walk past this slate mine on the way to that bothy, and so yes, for the sake of nostalgia, I have gone back and sat in there. <laughs> that happened to be the first bothy I ever stayed in. Okay, right. 
um, the first ever trip I did was the Lake District. I went to Warnscale and I saw the Northern Lights. Lovely. <laughs> Lake District. And I remember going, oh, this is going to be an all right three years, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I, I'm working now very, very, very close to, to that Boffy and another one in that area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have I popped in, but I've not stayed in one since. I am um, no, but when uh when lockdown's over, I'm coming. <laughs> Good stuff. That's like to hear. Well, obviously, podcast is all about books. Um, I always enjoy the the last segment, in particular, <laughs> which is uh, what are your favourite books from your own bookshelves? Right. Well, I have prepared. A selection for you here. Very good. To look forward to it, as long as it doesn't cost me too much money. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that is an ongoing concern of yours, isn't it? It, it, it is indeed. I don't <laughs> mind if it's impossible to get, because then I can't physically buy one. But it's when it's when it's a whole series of books that are still available that uh, I don't uh, have. That's when well, it becomes costly. Two of these are no longer available, so you are welcome. Brilliant, <laughs> ideal, good man. So the first one I've got here is. Um, a book called Bleed by Simon Norfolk. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which is that, a very that, yeah, big, that's, yeah. Yeah. It's a big book. Um, this, I picked this out because Simon, the discovery of Simon Norfolk's work was a huge turning point for me and my photography. Right. Um, and so I, I regularly revisit, you know, I've got a few of Simon's books. Um, and I, you know, I've met him a couple of times doing talks at universities and things like that. And he's just a fascinating guy. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk. No, I don't think so. Don't. He's just, you know, super, super intelligent. He knows everything about what he's photographing. Um, and I think this book is with Dewey Lewis. Yes, yeah. I know them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, and it's all taken in Bosnia and it's these photos of through like ice and water and snow um and it's basically it it, it looks beautiful um but that is simon's skill is to photograph things that look beautiful they lure you in they make you fall in love with the image and then you realize that what you're looking at is actually something terrible yeah you know and so yeah. with bleed he's photographing these sort of mass graves or secondary hidden graves where they would dispose of you know trying to hide their war crimes by throwing people into these mass graves yeah. and, yeah. um, and so you're looking at these beautifully abstract images I believe they're on all on large format and there's this ice and it's stunning and then and then yeah then you suddenly remember actually what you're looking at here um, and that that discovery of a photographer that was working with the landscape that was making pictures that were beautiful that you'd actually kind of like as just a print and on your wall yeah. But at the same time was talking about something so much bigger than the landscape itself. Yeah. You know, and using the landscape as a sort of, you know, to, to talk about something much darker and much bigger and much more important. Yeah. And I found out about Simon when I was at university. And if you look at some of Simon's work, it's all about battlefield and battle space. You'll then understand why my final year project was about the military presence on Dartmoor. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, in that project, there's a photograph I took looking through ice at some bullet casings right and that is a a nod towards so i love bleed this yeah. book so um so yeah that was my first that's my first choice yeah, i think that's been that's one that's i think been on one of my one of my wish lists somewhere for quite yeah. some time so i'm um, not sure i think it's a limited edition of a thousand copies but it's not his most well-known work 
Yeah. I think Dewey Lewis still have some copies left. Right. Um, okay, I'll take a wee look, yeah. Shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that to you, really, but... <laughs> you see, I've, I've got a couple... I've generally got a couple of weeks' heads, head start on anyone who's listening to this podcast, so... Oh, of course. It, so that, that's the thing. So by the time people are come, are listening to this, I'll have either bought it or I'll not have been able to find it, generally. Or, you, or you've hoovered up all the remaining copies. That, that's <laughs> it, yeah. Just put a wee link. All, all surplus copies are now available from me. <laughs> It's a, at a, a significantly higher rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, second one is a beautiful book. I'm very proud of this. Even though a builder dropped a cup of tea on it, I still love it. Yep. And it is Brian Schutmart's Graze the Mountain Sense. Right. Do you know this work? No, I don't. It's called Graze the Mountain Sense. All right. Um, published by, I believe it's Silas Finch. Okay. And, um, he is a fantastic photographer, Brian Schutman. Um, again, it's, you know, it's landscapes of um, the American West, and yep. like mining towns and mountain communities um, who are kind of still clinging on to that dream of finding gold in the hills and all that kind of stuff. But again, it's a tried and tested formula. It's portraits, landscapes and still life. But the way that Brian has shot this work and the way that the book is put together um, was a massive inspiration for Black Dots. Um, and yeah. a huge inspiration for me anyway, just um, the way that this whole book is put together, the actual publishing, the printing, this this kind of metal binding on the book. Yes. Yeah. It's just a stunning, stunning body of work. Uh, I would encourage, oh, well, I, I believe this is one of the ones that is now sold out. I think... I, can't yeah. this, I don't know if this is the first or second edition, this one. Um, I think they did do a second edition of it, but yeah. it sold out very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those ones where the portraits are phenomenal. The landscapes are great. Yeah. The still lives fill the gaps in between, but not, it doesn't feel like there's any filler. Yeah. It all just, it all just works together nicely. It's just, it just every time you turn the page, you go, that photo belongs there. You know, and it's a proper journey. And I've never been to this area of the world, but you feel like you know so much about it when you finish looking through this book. So lovely, very nice. Pick copy up somewhere secondhand. I would appreciate it um, because I would like one that hasn't got tea on it. Yeah, <laughs> should be nice. Um, right, this one here, Mark Mahaney's Polar Night. Right, I've heard of that. One. Heard of or I've heard of it. Yes. Okay. It is, it's all shot in Alaska during the polar night, during sort of prolonged period yeah. of darkness. Um, it, I'm, I'm gradually, my interest in, my, my sort of photographic interests have gone a lot darker recently. Um, and I don't know why that is, but there's something about the, the, the rawness of this work. The landscapes are so stark. It feels uncomfortable. It feels lonely. Um, he hasn't tried to romanticize it, you know, there's nothing nice about a polar night. It's cold, yeah. it's lonely, yeah. um, it's desolate. And you get that from this work. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think there's a tendency sometimes for photographers, myself included, I know I've done it, to, I don't know, it's kind of romanticize um, or, or, or sort of, I don't know, you have a mate or maybe you have a, um, a stereotype or you've imagined what it could look like. And then you go in with tunnel vision and you only leave when you sort of fulfill that stereotype that you've. Yeah. You've, yeah. Um, this feels like he's gone in there and 
he's lived it, he's experienced it, and he's responded to it, and it, it feels exactly how you would imagine to, some yeah. time spent in this polar night. Yeah. Um, yeah, this it's I, I've, again, I believe this is published by Trespasser. Yeah. Um, so I think actually Trespasser is part owned by Brian Schutmatt, who um, shot the work I just showed before. Yeah, um, he has his own publishing house now, um, I believe. Uh, but yeah, Trespasser Books. Um, they've, they've got some great books out on their on their site. Good. The last one is the one I said that before to you. That might be a bit of a curveball. Um, this is Takashi Homa. All right. Um, and this book is called Trails. Right. And it's published by Mac. Okay. Um, yeah. People listening to podcasts won't be able to, but the uh, see this, but the actual cover has got bullet yeah. holes in it. Oh, very. Oh, gee whiz, yeah. Which is really, really nice. And yeah, again, I'm I'm a fan, as as you know, I mentioned, I alluded to a project I'm shooting in the Lake District at the moment. I'm increasingly becoming a fan of work that is so straightforward. You know, it's a little bit dark, it's a little bit sinister, but it can be summed up in a couple of lines. Um, and it doesn't need any any more explanation. And this work, um, by yeah. Kathy Homer, it's following the blood trails of hunted deer through a Japanese forest in winter. Yeah, I'm, I've just loaded it up on the internet and yeah, it's it's quite, it's <laughs> quite, quite, quite incredible. It, it's, I mean, it's one of those, when I, I read about it, when um, uh, I think it, I read about it on Mac's website and it was for some reason I saw it and I was like, I wish I'd had the idea. Yeah. You know, like this, I, I don't, yeah. again, I'm, I don't know what it is about it. It's one of those books that, I don't know why I like looking through it because it's quite grim. And when you have friends come around that aren't photographers and they see it, they're like, what the hell are you looking at? Yeah. But, oh, it's just like blood from dead deers. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> yeah, blood and <laughs> snow. Yes, it's... <laughs> it, it's... It's just... And the final image in the book is, you know, um, just this river crossing with a, with a, um, a, a deer. deer. <laughs> You've seen it. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, and I, I believe... Where's the... Yeah, he's... There's like oil oil paintings or there's some watercolor paintings or something in the book as well that sort of responds yeah. to the textures of the landscape yeah. that he's photographed. And again, it's you know there's hardly any text in the book. It's just his name and the edition and the date and just some beautiful pictures. And that it's you know so straightforward, but so dark, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, quite quite uh, <laughs> quite an impressive uh, quite an impressive book. It is. I've, it's actually gone up a lot in price as well. If you look at the Mac website, I think a lot of them are only available in the US. Yeah, um, I just I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I maybe found. I think I maybe found a copy somewhere else that seems oh, to be yeah. slight, seems to be slightly cheaper. That so, might be. That might have been from the site I found it from as well. <laughs> quite, quite, quite possibly. Will not be disclosing it though. Um, of I'll, be making, I'll be saying that as I said, I've got a couple. I've got certainly a week's head start on everyone, but uh, yeah, I'll be leaving that page up so that I can come back to after this. Yeah. Uh, after it's this, just, end. yeah, it's, it's just an interesting, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've built up. I've, I think in the last five six months, I've really bought quite a few Japanese photo books. Yeah, uh, I'm. It's the first category I go to at the moment when I'm looking through sort of. Um, um, is it beyond words? Yeah, and, um, photo bookstore and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I just I'm drawn to I don't know the way they just even the printing the way the books are put together it just it feels yeah. different. The, the, the they're really uh, very much 
the Japanese really view them as works of art, and it's it's yeah. it's, it's more it's more than just a book. One of my wife's uh, best friends like, lives and works in Tokyo at the moment, and, right, and okay. she she was saying that yeah, if you go to buy secondhand Japanese book secondhand books in Japan, they mm-hmm. will be in mint condition because people treat them Absolutely. so so well. So actually, it's it's like if you come across somewhere that's selling them secondhand. You can just buy them and they will be as good as new. But yeah, I look forward. Yeah. It's one thing. I the last time I was in Japan, I I wasn't really into photo books the same as I am now. So I do yeah. look forward to the opportunity to return and just spend yeah a couple of days in some bookstore or something like that and come back with an extra suitcase full of yeah full, full of books. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and it's something a lot of there's a lot of Japanese photographers make work about the landscape as well. There's yeah there's which. And it's always a surprise to see how they've interpreted it and how they photographed it. Absolutely, yeah. Very, very. There's there's quite a lot of very unique styles in Japanese photography as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really it's really quite interesting. Generally, they're always they can always be quite inventive and creative with how they've maybe put the book together in terms of the construction of it and paper choices sure. and things like that. It's, it's not just. I think a lot of them is not just a simple hardback or soft cover. You get you get a bit more interest to them at times, so it yeah, almost makes it more interesting. But uh, yeah. yeah, talking of um, there's there's one book that's coming out soon that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, is it is, uh, Lottie Davis and Quinn? Right. Have you seen this doing doing the rounds at the moment? It's um, it's all it's a six year project, I believe, and and Lottie's it rings uh, a bell. Yeah, it's it's it basically it documents the, the journeys through the British landscape of this fictional character in post Second World War Britain. Right. Um, but it's you know, the book has from what I've read about it, it's got the pictures, but there's also sort of to do lists from this fictional character that you can pull out and read. Right. Um, yeah, there's like a diary of his that they've written, yeah. this diary of his travels. And there's also um, short videos of the places he went and the landscapes. So each picture, you can go on the website and view short films of this person yeah. moving through the landscape. Um, and yeah, you sort of, it's I like, have, yeah, I have yeah. seen, I have seen something about it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, look, it looks amazing, and it, it's one of those you can look at the film first and then pick up the book, yeah. or you can read the diary first, then look at the film, then look at the photos, and it's like this yeah. puzzle, you know. Yeah, um, Mark Mark Wilson's new one that he, I think he's just started a Kickstarter on. Yes, that absolutely. one looks really interesting. Well, it's just well. an absolute beast of a project as well. Like, yeah, you've been working on that for so long. Um, yeah, you know, I spoke. I the I spoke to him, or his the episode with him goes out tonight when we're recording this. So as, as oh, people are listening to this, I spoke to Mark about it. He was out last week speaking about his last stand and other work, but also yeah. about his future work. And it just sounds absolutely fascinating and yeah. so in depth. It was seven hundred, nearly seven hundred pages or something like that. Yeah, it, and but then you know it needed it. The, yeah. the subjects that he's tackling and he's trying to talk yeah. about. You can take shortcuts. You can't, and that that's an example of a project that it needed to be big. Yeah. Um, to do it justice. Just, yeah, even I've got the, the copy of the last stand um, here, and yeah. even that is, is a. You look at the places and the the, the 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 expanse of landscape that he actually visited to shoot that work. Yeah, indeed, yeah. absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he's one of those guys I I, I always enjoy seeing what he's working on. Um, yeah, because he's 
you can you just know he's he's grafting away somewhere at any point <laughs> for a for a long period for a prolonged period of time as well. Yeah. Much yeah. obviously like yourself with uh, three years of uh, bothies uh, for black <laughs> yeah. dots. Yeah, I think my, mine mine kind of pales in comparison compared to what Mark's doing, but <laughs> but yeah. I appreciate the comparison anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, Nicholas, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you this evening. Thank, thank you very you. much for it. Uh, thank you very much for giving me up some of your time to talk. It's uh, yeah, wonderful to hear some of the stories again for Black Dots and uh, about your your ongoing work. And I look forward to seeing uh, what what you bring out in the future. And uh, thanks for the recommendations as well. So thank yeah, you very well, much. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah.